Hello, and welcome to the King Hero Indiegar podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Good. Well, Justin, how about yourself? Pretty good. Nothing to talk about, really, is there? No, we'll have to scramble and, and you know, I guess, vamp the whole time tonight. But uh, it's a shame when uh, Formula One's on their summer break. Just nothing much to talk about when it happens this year. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. Shouldn't IndyCar just have uh, something going on every week in August? <laughs> right? I mean, that no, knowing sense. that that's going to be the case, that they're on their break. I mean, why not, you know, kind of fill that void every week? Well, Justin, IndyCar just uh, skips through the daisy, field of daisies and doesn't worry about any other competition in the world. All true. Look, yeah. this is ground trod upon before. No need to rehash it, Curb. <laughs> But it'd be so easy. It'd be so easy. <laughs> it would be so. But the big question that's come out of the weekend is clearly, what is Felix Rosenquist going to do now? Well, this string of poor finishes uh, really puts him in a hole, doesn't it? Well, he had mechanical this time around, I believe. But you got to think, you know, assuming, and, and I mean, I don't think, I don't see how we're going to avoid talking about Palau this podcast, although I dearly love to do it. Um, given that, it's got to be screwing up his plans too, right? He's got to be looking at that, saying, hmm, "Now, now, now, what?" I mean, do you do you stay at a team that clearly doesn't want you? You know, because you're just kind of it's almost like my hockey team. You know, I just I round out the numbers, but clearly they don't want me. <laughs> <laughs> What's you're Felix you're the bad punny that just won't go away. <laughs> I'm just the old guy that, you know, been around forever. He's like an institution, but he's not really helping out that much. Well, I mean, if all the hype around Rosenquist is true, that he's such a desirable free agent, uh, you got to assume he's got offers out there that are more than one year. And I think you jump at it because otherwise you're back in the same boat next year. I think if I'm Rosenquist, I'm like, you give me a three-year contract and I'll talk to you. Otherwise, I got to go. If uh, Rahel Letterman is uh, Lanigan is in love with him, take it. If Eric, if uh, Andretti's in love with him, take it. In any case, even if it's a two-year contract, it's one year more than you're guaranteed. That Aaron McLaren, if you even are their fallback position um, to stay in that seat, that Palau was supposedly going to take over. And I think he would benefit from a change of scenery. Probably he's probably one of those drivers that would benefit from a change of scenery. I think. Aaron McLaren seems like the kind of place that wouldn't be necessarily a fit for him, don't you think? It's a bit of <laughs> a little bit more of a shark-infested waters in most places, it seems like to me. Yeah, he doesn't seem like that kind of guy. Curb, would you sign a contract with Alex Blau? <laughs> It'd be hard. I mean, he's awful tempting. His success is awful tempting um, in IndyCar. You'd sure have to make sure you got that thing locked down. That's for sure. I, I know what you're saying, you know, locking it down, but what does that mean to him? Clearly, almost zero. It remains to be seen what kind of so-called contract he has with McLaren. They may have had a handshake. They may have had a, a verbal understanding or something. But um, outside of whatever kind of contract he had for his F1 testing activities and reserve driver activities, um, I don't know what else is real and what's uh, not. The one thing I can say is, and I'm not always the biggest fan of the way Ganassi runs his team, but I don't think he'd be crowing like he's crowing if he didn't know he had the facts on his side. So I've probably spent more cerebral energy on this matter than I'd like to admit. It's hard for me to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. Curb, I mocked you for saying he would stay with Ganassi. I did. 
I, I'll openly admit it. I mocked you for that even thought. Okay. So this is something you predicted three months ago. It has now come true. I, it was inconceivable to me that this could happen. And maybe to a few other people too. I mean, maybe Zach Brown and I are in the same boat, but you predicted it. So first of all, I have to apologize you uh, deeply for that. I, I, I hang my head in shame. Well, I uh, will graciously accept the apology and uh, say no harm done. So having said that and gotten that off my chest, I've thought about this. I've come to it from a standpoint is what drives a guy to do this, right? What drives a guy to alienate himself from, you know, arguably an extremely powerful figure in the world of motor racing and certainly in the world of F1? having just done something similar a year before to stay at a place where even as recently as two or three months ago did not want to stay and still go through with it and open himself up to, you know, litigation right, left and center. What drives a person to say, okay, I acknowledge all that, but I'm still going to do this. And there's, to me, there's, really only two answers to this and i might be completely off base so i'm going to throw out this as my theory of uh, having spent my cerebral energy on it (laughs) one option is he's a complete dunderhead the other option is that he couldn't get an f1 deal for this year was looking ahead saying piastri's doing well at mclaren lando's tied up i think through 26 or something like that So there's no chance for me there, but I've got one or two F1 teams that say, I got a seat for you. It's just in 2025. So just if you can get out of your McLaren obligations, I got a seat for you in 25. You're in. And that's the only option I can think of, the only scenario I can think of to to compel him to do what he did. Now, I, I know what you're going to say, Curb, before you say it, which is <laughs> he wants to stay at Ganassi. It's the best seat in the place, blah, 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 blah. But I would argue that wouldn't be enough to compel you. I mean, it's not like Aero McLaren's that far off of Ganassi. So I don't think that's there. And, and the resources are there, so they could probably get there. So I wouldn't say that's enough to compel him to do that. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe Chip's offer him so much money it doesn't matter. Uh, that would be out of character, but I'm really kind of leaning towards the the second scenario I gave you, although I would never outlaw, uh, outrule the first. You know, of all the different rumors um, of how this may have come to pass, that kind of de- your theory kind of dovetails with the most sensible rumor I've heard. That doesn't mean it's true. There, I, none of the rumors I've heard have any more clout behind them than any of the others. But in one or two places, I've read speculation that uh, Honda got involved um, to, you know, make the short-term salary attractive at Ganassi, and secondarily to offer him a, a ride in Formula One when they switched to Aston Martin in a couple of years. That just seems like the most enticing, you know, rumor that I've heard that might and that might uh, uh, lead Palau to have made this change, and it kind of dovetails with what you're suggesting. Not only earlier in the season when we talked about this, um, 
you know, not only did I say, well, Ganassi is a better place to drive than McLaren, but I didn't see a future at McLaren in Formula One for him. So whether the Honda rumor is true or whether he came to that realization on his own, um, I agree. It's a long way of saying I agree. You're probably barking up the right tree, I would think. So it sounds like you and I are are kind of thinking along the same uh, lines. And let's mm-hmm. face it, both of us scored over 1,200 on our SATs. So mm-hmm. we're uh, – in fact, did I score over 1,300 or is that, am I dreaming? I think you're dreaming. But I could be wrong. I thought you are I don't know what you were actually. I think it was pretty uh, good. Yeah. Anyways, well. it doesn't matter. Right. We're not dunderheads. No. I'm going to say we're probably thinking correctly, although we would be remiss if we totally discounted the first one, which is he's just a complete idiot. Well, you, you can't help but get the feeling he's an empty vessel, right? I mean, he's, a, uh, he's, he's so pleasant and so uh, looks so respectful and all those kind of things when he's interviewed on camera. And uh, you can't help but feel like somebody behind the scenes kind of. Tells him what to do and where to go, and he just smiles and says, okay. Curb, effing Scott Dixon. <laughs> or classic Scott Dixon, whichever you prefer. I think it's kind of one and the same with me. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I was just like, come on, man, don't win this race. Don't win it. Uh, yeah, I was hopeful that he was the stalking horse that would create some drama for Ray Hall's triumph, right? <laughs> that was a shame. Ray Hall did everything right and uh, and just got eked out by effing or classic Scott Dixon, choose your pejorative. Well, we got to yeah. give credit where credit's due, Curb, and the, the Team Smug won. They did this time, that's for sure. Um, the race broke out perfectly for him and uh, – uh, set him up for for what he does best, right? Yeah, but there were other guys in the same boat, right? That could have done the same strategy and didn't. So, well, I'm saying he does it best. I mean, I yeah, no, I, uh, I, mean, I I'm just going out of my way to give the guy credit because I think a lot of times, you know, we kind of get caught up with the swungness of kind of him and Michael. The silver lining is that Mrs. Dixon got a lot of screen time after the race, so <laughs> we had that going for us. Yeah, I wish Erickson one. Kirby, did you notice at the end of the broadcast, uh, they were handing it over to the NASCAR side, and you know who they handed it over to? Marty. A good Marty appearance, wasn't it? <laughs> they did. They handed it over to Marty Schneider. Let's put so you on a suicide watch at that point. I, I wanted to call you and make sure you were okay. Yeah, I know. That was uh, uh, good to see Marty again. I hate to do this again, but uh, I thought they had a reasonable point the other day. And this is kind of coming to the Marty Schneider NASCAR aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I re- when I say I hate to do it, I really do, because he quoted uh, this saying, well, you know, you're talking about the brotherhood, the sisterhood or the non-binary hood. And I don't like that kind of stuff. This, this pronoun thing has me perplexed and upset, Curb. Mm-hmm. I missed that one. It's yeah. yeah. Right, right, right up there with person holes. Right. <laughs> Yeah, not a, it's not a manhole anymore. <laughs> but let's just get past that. Again, giving credit where maybe this is the episode where we give credit where credit's due. They went out and said, uh, you know, he, 
that they never really liked the concept of playing second fiddle to NASCAR, not only NASCAR, but NASCAR Xfinity, right? Um, right. And in, in Indianapolis, of all places. And I actually tend to agree with that. I think he's he, uh, they is probably correct in that. And they's alternative suggestion, which I thought was a pretty good one, was like IMSA race uh, Saturday into the evening and then the IndyCar race Sunday morning. You mean add IMSA to this particular weekend? Take take NASCAR out, IMSA in. Oh, okay. okay. Like I said, have a night race there, or one that at least went into the night, and then the next morning you have the IndyCar race. I thought it was a pretty good suggestion. I, I I think that's a far more palatable alternative to, like they said, playing second fiddle not only to NASCAR but to NASCAR's Junior Series. Curb. Devlin DeFrancesco's moment of glory was rather brief, wouldn't you say? Good thing they had that yellow flag so he could bask in it for a little bit longer. I mean, it might have been one of those things where he was like closing his eyes, open them, and he was in the lead. Um, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who knows, right? But he was leading the race after making a what appeared to be a tremendous move. And right. then just what did he end up 20th or something like that? Do you know what happened to him or did he just do a steady fall? It was just a steady fall. I think he ended up a lap down as a matter of fact. <laughs> wow. I, we haven't uh, talked to uh, hardly at all about it this year, but he's probably headed to coin, right? And uh, well, coin, that's, that's the rumor. Okay. Let's just say it's true for the point of my next point, which is like, Coin was on an upward trajectory, but really has taken a U-turn. It was kind of going back to the old days. Well, to be fair, he's been poached pretty heavily the last few years and did well to replace not only driving talent, but engineering talent. I mean, we're fans of Dale Coin. I'm not besmirching him, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Sure. I mean, yeah. I enjoyed him being uh, more competitive over the last handful of years. I was just going to mention it briefly here, Kirk, the franchise system, the franchise system, because it – if he had something to sell there, and if Foyt, for example, had something to sell there, we might see better and stronger teams going forward. A shaker rig and uh, you know, it's a shop and a few tools and a couple old used Delaras. I mean, that's nothing to sell. A franchise is something to sell. These teams which are floundering, like DCR and Foyt, to a lesser extent Hunkos, uh, would have some value there, some inherent value there. Curb. Justin. Leader circle. We've got three races left. Leader circle. Wh- where are we at? I'm confused. Tell me. All right. It's just a brief reminder. 22 cars are included in the leader circle. 22 entrants, I should say. You're only allowed three leader circle entrants per team. Andretti is grandfathered in because they've been running four cars for so long, uh, and they were doing so when the leader circle was established. And uh, Ganassi, therefore Ganassi's fourth car, which would be the Armstrong car, Armstrong slash Sato car uh, is not eligible for the leader circle. So that means the 23rd place car of Meyer Shank, number 60, popularly known as the Pagano entry, right now is sitting on the bubble in 22nd place for entrant points purposes. At 148 points, two points behind is the Jack, formerly Jack Harvey entry. Connor Daly is replacing him at uh, St. Louis at Worldwide Worldwide. Technology okay, initially. sorry, I, I must I must have missed that must have been announced sometime today, so I missed that. All over the news today. Okay, so, uh, August fifteenth, uh, eight p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 
is to, to timestamp this. In twenty, and I think thereafter, the, these guys, the the leader circle discussion here is pertinent to that because it sounds like they're after the million bucks. Uh, well, I, got, I have conflicting thoughts on that, but okay. anyway, in twenty four spot is the Devlin D Francesco Andretti Autosport number twenty nine at one hundred forty five points. So uh, Meyer Shank at one forty eight, Ray Hall Letterman at one forty six, and Andretti. Uh, Autosport at 145. Those three points separate 22nd through 24th on the entrance leader circle entrance points. Uh, just ahead of those at 151 would be Canapino and the number 20 Ed Carpenter of currently Ryan Hunter Ray. So there's five teams within nine. How many? How many does Ryan Hunter Ray have, or yeah, that entry now have? 154. So 54. So number, so, 154. so number number 20 is at 154, and number yep. 24 is at 145, and that's five teams within nine points of each other. Nine points, so it, one race. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if you take the the Meyer Shank number 60, uh, if Linus Lundquist can hang on for nine more laps at uh, Nashville, he's probably got you know 16 or 18 points instead of five points, uh, which would be would have been a big deal. But it's interesting. I went back to mid-Ohio when Paginot got knocked out of his car and uh, compared these entrants. And uh, would you believe that Ryan Hunter Ray is uh, over those five over that five race span? Ryan Hunter Ray is pulling up the rear at uh, 53 points scored. Let's see. Canapino scored 63 points since mid, including mid-Ohio. So onward. Ryan Hunter Ray's underperformed Canapino. He's, kind of, he's underperformed Canapino. He's underperformed whoever's in the Pagano car. He's underperformed Harvey. He's underperformed DeFrancesco. Wow. And uh, so I'm not Daly's biggest fan, but he's probably feeling a little bit vindicated. VK's been kind of okay. It's been interesting. I'm sure he didn't, but do the VK points during that same period because that's his teammate, right? That would tell you, relatively yeah, I mean, speaking, how he's doing. Points and over that time period, 92 points. Wow. 92 points to 53 points. So, yeah. So, Ryan but, Ray, but, no no magic bullet. But it, interestingly, if your only goal was to try to secure an entry, a leader circle spot for next year, of these five entries, the Jack Harvey entry has scored 63 points over the last, over the races since mid-Ohio which is tied for first among those five teams. So he and Canapino have each scored 63 points. The Pagano replacements have scored 60 points. Uh, Dave Francesco, 57, and Hunter Ray, 53. You know, you could make the case that Harvey's been making a so-called push here at the end to uh, to make it into the leader circle, and now they're pulling him out of the car and taking chances with uh, unknown drivers. Well, Connor's not an unknown driver uh, at Worldwide Technology, right? Well, well, yeah, I mean, he's had success there, but I'm just saying you're taking strangers and putting them in the seats. And, and we don't know about uh, 60, the 60 car and Worldwide Technology Raceway yet, right? We don't know who's going to drive that. No, I assume that um, IndyCar will assess Pagano at the beginning of next week. That's usually what they do at the beginning of each race week. And you would think that if it's close at all, they might pass on. 
gateway because it's a you know a relatively small oval. Lots of going round and round, which somebody that's dealing with concussion systems might want to avoid. But um, right. But, yeah. but let's say he does pass. That who, that's who Shank's going to put in the seat. I would assume. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, really, there's a Chavez, Gabby Chavez, Chavez. Oh, I mean, Oliver Askew. You know what? Um, so, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Um. There's not a lot of choices. I mean, I think Lundquist no, right. is uh, exactly. as good as any of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, they don't know who's going to do the last two races for Ray Hall. Uh, and then, so I had this one thought. I thought, well, if you know, he, they've tested Lundquist earlier in the year. And like, there are a lot of rumors Lundquist would run for them late in the season. Um, if they called you today and said, hey, we want you for the last two races, do you say yes to Ray Hall or do you wait around for Shank and Pagano? You say yes to whoever offers you the ride first. Yeah. I mean, the, the new rumor is um, that Lundquist is headed to Ganassi next year. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. But, uh, yep. That's the latest. So, what, okay, so let's wrap up this conversation about the winner's circle. Five, four, three, two, one. Let's put a bow on this leader circle conversation. So Peterson and Rob, they're too far gone. Right. They're not they have no chance of they have no chance. The they are leader circle money. Uh, Rob is 32 points out of 24th place and. Uh, Peterson is another 43 points out of 24th place, so they can't even get into the conversation, much less get to the leader circle. Isn't that amazing uh, because it's all those guys worth Lundquist there at Indy next, right? And Lundquist won and just didn't have the money. And those two get in there. But I, I would say, I would argue either of those teams would probably be better off without the money and having Lundquist. Well, it's going to cost them a million dollars unless they got some sort of kickers in their driver contracts that force them to make up that loss. Yeah. And even if, like, let, let's say you're Dale Coyne, you have Lundquist. And you got them on a two-year deal or a three-year deal, or you have options on them. I mean, you can sell them away and get some money for the team, right? To a, sure. to a team that wants them. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt. Yeah. It's it's food for thought. What does it mean that Helio Castroneves has a minor uh, investment in the Meyer Shank Racing team? I mean, did he actually put any skin in the game? I'm going to say he's driving for free. How's that? Oh. That actually brings up something I did want to mention. God, here we are going on again. Meyer Shanks lost Acura for IMSA. I, I was surprised that when they, they announced Helio's deal uh, or his change in status, whatever you want to call it, that they didn't commit him to running sports cars with Shank next year. And then today I'm reading where Shank is like 50-50, 60-40, whether he'll be in IMSA at all next year. Um, but, not, but zero with... Acker, he's they're done. So he, yeah, and and uh, you know he he's he he pooped the bed. I hope he enjoyed that uh, being on that stand for a few minutes there back in January because uh, yeah, it was costly. It sure cost him dearly. Yeah, Japanese don't have a lot of sense of humor about that kind of stuff. No, a- and I <laughs> and I do wonder if that's going to extend over to the Honda you know side in the IndyCar too, right? I think they confirm. I think they've confirmed that they'll be back with Honda next year in IndyCar. That okay, but that that may be. But you Short know what I'm saying. 
I I never found the Japanese to be uh, of short term memory on those kind of things, and I can't help but think that it's going to negatively impact him in the IndyCar side as well with Honda. I've always thought he was likable. Uh, they were a likable team to root for, and uh, every time I see him now be interviewed or or you know on camera, I can't shake that thought. Right? This I mean it was it was just flat out cheating. It's terrible, right? It's, gonna, I mean, it's gonna it's yeah. gonna take a while to get that stink off. That was a big thing, big thing. If they had those Daytona points, I, I guess they're running away with it, the standings. But he made it sound like they still have a fighting chance to win the championship even without those points. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, Kirk, let's end it there. At Hero IndyCar, H I R O IndyCar. At Hero IndyCar. And do we have any sponsors? No time for sponsors today. Are we going to be back before uh, Gateway? Look, if you <laughs> venture out there in August in the daytime, God love you. That's all I can say. Well, we appreciate your uh, fandom. That's for sure. Because uh, somebody needs to go. It's going to be so hot. Uh, the, there's going to be no passing. It's going to be you're going to follow, you know, at your d- distance it's going to be, I hate to say this, it's going to be terrible. But be sure to tune in and watch and then listen to our show afterwards. Yeah. But I guess if we're not sure we'll uh, be back next week, should we make picks for uh, Gateway? Let's just do the who who we think is going to win, and we'll leave it there. All righty. I think Will Power is going to win. Okay, I'll take Joseph Newgarden. Yeah. Uh, with an outside chance to Pato Award. Yeah, because you know he's really bummed out. He hasn't had a win this year. Yes, that's Him the story. Him. He's bummed out. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Enjoy the weekend off. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.